It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Welcome back. It's time for silver and black today. That means you... That's right. You out there, you get to talk all things Las Vegas Raiders football here on our Odyssey official podcast. Thanks for joining us. He is Mo Moten. He is my co-host. He is the national writer over at Bleacher Report covering the NFL. He's also a sports columnist covering the Raiders on SportsNot.com. You can follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. You can follow me at LV Gully. I also write up on SportsNot.com. And you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your audio podcast. We'd appreciate it if you would hit the subscribe button wherever that is. Turn on the auto download so every time we push a show to you, you will have the opportunity to listen in and tell us how brilliant we are. Yes, because we are. As we heard this week, so many people just lavishing comments and compliments on us, Mo. It's, it's, it's humbling to see so many people... Uh, tell me that I think that I'm smarter than them. And no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but seriously, I got a lot of great feedback on the show from Tuesday on the salary cap. A lot of folks were like, hey, that was actually level headed, like very cool to understand that you guys went through it, not only the salary cap in general, but then the Raiders salary cap. And it's interesting because all of the NFL media talks a lot about the salary cap, but they very rarely give people the 101 like we did on Tuesday. And we talked about this. Well, I, I mentioned this to you before we got on air. I think what a lot of people do is they talk over people's heads. Yes. A lot of people try to showcase how smart they are and what they know, and they wind up losing their audience. And I think what we tried to do was we tried to break it down to the bare basics so that anyone can understand it. It wasn't about, you know, this is what we think and this is what we think the Raiders are going to do, but how does the salary cap impact what the Raiders could do in the offseason and some of the moves that they could make? Yeah. And it's sort of like I know every once in a while we get folks, well-meaning folks saying, hey, why don't you guys do film breakdowns? And it's like, well, that's not what we do. There's a certain segment of people who love that just X's and O's. And uh, our good friend Chris Reed, who used to write for me on silverandblacktoday.com, was one of those guys where he'd break down that stuff. And for people who love it, it's great. But for like 90 percent, the rest of folks they just kind of want to have an understanding because it's it's entertainment for them. They love their team. And so I think the same thing goes to your point about uh, the, the salary cap is like you could if you really want to go deep down into it, you can. But overall, people just want to know enough to understand. The other thing, if if we did do video breakdowns, that wouldn't be beneficial to our audio audience. No, it would not. <laughs> you can't. See right here, boom. Would, yeah, no, it would you, not. You be. really they really wouldn't be able to hear the breakdown. Correct. And, and visualize it. So. Again, what we'll I think what we will do, and Scott can check me on this, 
we will have video guys and film guys on the show. Sure. Matt Holder is one of the, one of my close guys who I, mm-hmm. who I lean on for a lot of knowledge. He also writes with Bleacher Report. Got on with Bleacher Report this year. He's actually working on scouting reports as we speak. I've seen yeah. the scouting reports come in. So those will be coming out as as the weeks and days go on. But it, we'll probably bring on – not probably. We will be bringing on draft guys and guys to sure. talk about quarterbacks and everyone, every, everything of that nature. Yeah, Ted Nguyen from uh, The Athletic I've had on the show for years and years uh, over and over again, uh, including when I was on Raider Nation Radio. So, so yeah, we we love those guys too, especially when we're getting technical, when we get up to, to your point, draft, talent evaluation, because they'll tell us what these guys do because they've watched so much film. Uh, and they, you know, we we have a view of it. We watch game film and all that stuff, but these guys watch hours upon hours of offensive linemen, right, in college, mm-hmm. which I don't have the time nor the desire to do, so we rely on their expertise, so it's all good. But but thank you guys all for the compliments on there. I'm glad that the concept Mo and I came up with for that show uh, hit home for you, and we certainly appreciate it. Today we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk about the future of the quarterback position for the Raiders. Also, just uh, I want to give you a, a quick heads up that we'll have a special show tomorrow. Mo doesn't even know about this yet, uh, where uh, I'm going to be talking with Lee Steinberg, the super agent. He's been on the show with us before here. We're going to talk to him about the quarterback market. Where might the Raiders go? What might they pay for a quarterback? And then we'll also ask him his opinion on Derek Carr and his market. And if there is a trade market for the Raiders, which many of you don't believe, I'm kind of on that side too. I think it'll be hard for them to find a trade partner, but you never know. So we're going to talk to him. So we're going to get into that quarterback. Uh, These will be two days of quarterback conversation, uh, both today on Thursday and then a quick special uh, show tomorrow with Lee Steinberg. So Mo, let's look at this, at this and the Raiders situation with the quarterback. We know they're saying goodbye to Derek Carr, whether it's via trade or letting him walk away and become a free agent. Uh, But the future of the position we have to start, I think, for, for our listeners and viewers on YouTube, uh, back at the beginning here of what Josh McDaniels, with his offense, what does he run? I've seen a lot of fans. they got to go after Lamar Jackson, who's technically going to be a free agent, but I'm sure he's going to work out a deal with Baltimore. I'm pretty certain of it. Um, but you look at somebody like that, and people are salivating, we should go get Lamar Jackson. Uh, but in reality, Josh McDaniel's offensive system, which if you've watched the Patriots over the year, you ha- years, you have some understanding of. But let's start there, Mo, because when you look at Josh McDaniel's offense, we've talked about it through the course of the year as it related to leading up to this past season and then, of course, through the season. But, but encapsulate for folks, when you're thinking about a quarterback in Josh McDaniel's system— what does that quarterback need to do? What skill sets would be most beneficial for that quarterback in his system with the Las Vegas Raiders? I think the best quarterback for Joshua Daniels' system is a quarterback who plays within the structure of the offense. And what I mean by that is, okay, let's just take Lamar Jackson, for instance, right? Lamar Jackson plays the quarterback position different than any other quarterback in this league. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a knock against Lamar Jackson, but he plays a lot. A lot of his plays that he makes, the spectacular plays that you see with his legs or his arm, a lot of it is out of structure. So it's a lot of off-platform, you know, improvisation. So with Joshua Daniels' system, I think he would prefer a quarterback who plays more within the structure of the system. I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson isn't a good quarterback, but I just don't think he's the fit for a Josh McDaniels offensive system just based on what Josh McDaniels has had in in previous years. Now I know he's had Cam Newton, 
But you got to remember the Patriots signed Cam Newton, I believe, in, 20, in the 2020 offseason as a kind of a last resort. I believe they signed him mm-hmm. in like June. So he was he wasn't their first option at quarterback. It's because they ran out of options. And and by the way, Ken Newton didn't play well when he got there. I know he's at the end of his career and wasn't what he was in his prime. But if you look at Ken Newton, the type of player he's been, the type of quarterback he's been, again, doesn't play within great structure. He's more of a, he's more of a how I, if I were to analogize it, it he's more of an artist. Mm-hmm. And you see this in a lot of businesses where you see certain talented people are are just better when they do their own thing. You can't box them into a system and say, this is what we want you to do if this, this, that happens. You just got to let them go out there and do their thing. And I think Lamar Jackson is that type of quarterback. And Cam Newton, in his prime, when he had the Super Bowl run in Carolina, was that type of quarterback. I think oh, Josh yeah. McDaniels needs a guy that's going to take the playbook and say, what do you need me to do? And I'll try to perfect that. And I think you heard a lot of that from Derek Carr when he says, I'm just trying to do what Josh McDaniels wants. Now, Carr has said that previous years, but I think that was more so true this year because oh, – of the way the system is set up because you have to know certain route concepts. Even Devontae Adams said that Josh McDaniel's system is the most cl- complex system that he's played in. And he said basically that you have to know certain route concepts. And I think with the quarterback, there's a lot to know. And that's not to say that, jo- that Lamar Jackson can't absorb the playbook. Is is he going to be willing to play within a structured system and do X, Y, Z as he's expected to do from Josh McDaniels? And I think that answer would probably go to the coach staff, but I would think that Josh McDaniels wants someone, again, who's more stuck to the pocket, more of a pocket-passing quarterback. Not that he won't run the ball. Not that he won't be able to stay in place because we've seen Jared Stidham do that against the 49ers and even against the Chiefs at a loss. Right. But a quarterback who's going to stick to the pocket and throw downfield. Right, because it, it's about the structure, right? It's about It's about executing with excellence within a structure. There's less freelance. And that's yep. the thing. You're absolutely right. I'm a Lamar Jackson fan. And the, the his ability to freelance, especially when you look at Baltimore, um, even his MVP year, they're not loaded at wide receiver. They're, you know, they'll have a good running back. They have good tight ends. But they're not going to be all pro at all those spots, right? Because Lamar Jackson would freelance. He'd run the ball a lot, do things uh, on his own and on the fly. Uh, and that's what made him so good before, I think, injuries started getting a hold of him. But but yes, to, that's a good I, a good point about the type of quarterback. So so people see a quarterback on the market, Mo, and they say, well, that's one of the best players in the NFL. How could you not go get him? And and so when they say something like, and you think about the system, you have to think about and you, and you can use Derek Carr for example. Derek Carr is a good quarterback. Derek Carr in this system now maybe if he had another year, some people argue that. But either way, it was not a good fit, right? And that's not because Derek Carr doesn't have talent. It's because the system which Josh McDaniels runs, for whatever reason, it it just wasn't working how they thought it might work. And so you have to go out and find your guy to do that. That's why we've talked about uh, names like Mac Jones, which we'll get to in a second. But when you look at that and and you think guys that aren't able to do that, give examples of other quarterbacks, not just quarterbacks that are available. Obviously, you start with Tom Brady because he's been running it for so long at such a high level of success. But but other types of quarterbacks that would fit in, would a Peyton Manning fit in a system like that? I think it would because Peyton Manning, he he wasn't going to take off with the football. He was going <laughs> to try to beat you from the pocket. And I, again, right, that's what right. I think. That's what I think Josh McDaniels wants. If you remember, remember that press conference that a lot of people talked about where Josh McDaniels said he didn't want a running quarterback? Yes. I'm not calling Lamar Jackson a running quarterback, but I'm sure Josh McDaniels would want a quarterback who can extend plays with his legs because that's where the league is headed at that position. Correct. 
But I think it would drive him nuts that a quarterback would pull the ball down and run 10 yards versus throwing the ball downfield on a specific read for 20. Right. That That's going to drive Josh McDaniels nuts, and I think that's where the friction comes in with him and Lamar Jackson. Now, mm-hmm. the other thing is, and this is outside of the structure of playbook and X's and O's, but think about this for a minute. Lamar Jackson has missed 10 games in the last two years. <laughs> So he is reportedly pushing for a, a fully guaranteed contract. And I would see why, because the way his play style is, you want that protection. I don't see the Raiders willing to pay him. Number one, give a draft capital for him. Two right. ones and probably other draft picks. And then pay him a fully guaranteed contract, knowing his recent injury history. You're going to want him to stand in the pocket and throw the football and not get hurt. And that's the other part, that's the other layer of this, where I think Lamar Jackson doesn't fit Josh McDaniels. Well, the injuries and and also I might add, Mo, that that the money that has been the number that's been floated out there, which is a Deshaun uh, Watson type number, mm-hmm. is ludicrous for the same reason you just mentioned, which is, dude, you've missed ten games in two years. Like you can't, you can't. He's not. And listen, I, again, I'm a Lamar Jackson fan. He is not the same quarterback he was the year he won the MVP, primarily because of how he plays the game. Now, God bless him. He's going to do what he's going to do, but I think that's put him in the danger. So he can't demand the money that Deshaun Watson, who hadn't played for two years, did even because of that. So we'll see where it goes, and I think that's why it's a bad idea for the Raiders as well because, to your point, to give up everything for him, I don't think they need to do that. They can take a different approach with that. When we look at that and we look at guys that we've talked about here on the show, and we're going to get to Tom Brady separately. We're going to do that in the second segment because I think it deserves its own time. But you look at rookies coming out. We, we hear a lot about this class. Will Levis. We hear about, um, of course, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Stroud. Mm-hmm. So those are the three rookie guys. We don't know if the Raiders are going to be in a position. I think all three of those guys are going to be gone in the top five picks. So that would mean the Raiders. Now, crazy things can happen, but I'm I'm pretty sure that that's how it's going to end up. If that's the case, the Raiders then have to trade up if if anybody's willing to trade up, which maybe Chicago, that's about it because everyone else needs a quarterback including Carolina at 5 who seemingly even though they don't have a coach yet, technically, uh is has been reported to really be high on CJ Stroud, of course, before the the combines and pro days and all that. But if you look at this at those rookies, um, I, I just don't see the Raiders going the full rookie route. I'm not saying they don't get up. If they really love one of those guys, Mo, and they can get up there and get them, I think they will. It still, to me, says that they're going to get a bridge guy. And you look at the free agents out there. We mentioned Brady. You have Garoppolo. You have the possibility of maybe a trade for Mac Jones, who went behind Bill Belichick's back, which never ends up well for the player in New England. You have Jacoby Brissett, and, of course, you have Jarrett Stidham. Those are just some of the names out there. When you look at those names, um, are those all bridge guys, especially if you get a rookie? Now, if you go that route and get a rookie, high in the draft, because I think the Raiders draft a quarterback no matter where it is in the draft this year. Uh, at least one. Um, you look at one of those guys. Are all of those guys good fits for the system we just talked about? Yes, sir, because they've they played in the system that we just talked about. So Josh McDaniels understands that those guys know how to operate at a certain level in his offense. So you, you ran down the names, and we won't talk about Tom Brady yet because right. a lot of people have probably have Tom Brady fatigue at this point. But the other names that you mentioned that are out there, like Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I don't like the Jimmy G route because, again, injuries. To me, if you're going to get a, a quarterback 
who's consistently hurt or recently been hurt, you should invest a lot in a draft pick or or a third quarterback because yeah. ten, chances are if you if you <laughs> sign Jimmy G, whoever is your backup, whoever is your third quarterback is probably is probably going to play. <laughs> you know, so that's that that's just the probability of it. Now, the other name a lot of people wanted to bring up Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett, uh basically a backup quarterback in this league. We saw him in Cleveland this year before Deshaun Watson took over. We saw him in Miami the previous year. So he's a serviceable quarterback. Is he gonna get you you know 11 12 wins? No, but can he get you through the season until maybe your rookie quarterback is ready or you, you get another quarterback? Yeah, he can get you through. Uh, the other name you mentioned, Mac Jones, who a lot of people, again, push back on, but I still put the name out there simply because despite the knocks against Mac Jones coming out of Alabama, right, mm-hmm. in 2021, he's not a statue quarterback. He's not a quarterback who can't move. Now, is is movement his, you know, one of his strong points, like like Jalen Hurts or is he Lamar? No, he's not on those levels. He's not a quarterback that's going to mm-hmm. get you – 500 rushing yards and five touchdowns in a season, but he can move. He has some mobility. I've watched it this year. If you watch any Patriot games, you will see Mac Jones is able to move with his legs. So I put that out there simply because, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, there is some friction in New England. And Bill Belichick's reportedly, Chris Sims said this, Bill Belichick wasn't happy with Mac Jones going behind his back and maybe criticizing the offense and the way things were running New England. So if they are still, if they still have a rift, and the Patriots like Bailey Zappi, I could see Mac Jones on the move. Now, again, Mac Jones had a pretty good rookie season under Josh McDaniels. And a lot of people say Mac Jones is a dirty player. Mac Jones is garbage this year. <laughs> watch, just watch a couple of Patriot games. You will see that a lot of the problem is Matt Patricia calling the plays for that offense. And as we speak right now, the Patriots are looking for an offensive coordinator. For that reason, Robert Kraft was not happy with the offensive coordinator situation, and that's why the Patriots are going out to look for another play caller. So to me, if it's not Brady, again, who we won't talk about in depth right now, to me, <laughs> Matt Jones is the is, is, is a long shot that I think a lot of people should start talking more about. Now, of course, as I said, there's Jimmy G out there. I don't like that yeah. option. There's Jacoby Brissett out there. You could re-sign Jared Stidham. I, I don't think that's going to bring fans to the stadium and, and keep opposing <laughs> fan bases out and put Raider no. fans in seats, but... No. If you're thinking long game, if you start Jared Stidham and you stink, then in the 2024 draft, you could draft high at one of the top two quarterbacks. Yeah, and, and I'll say this too. I, as you mentioned, all the quarterbacks we talked about played in the Patriots system, right, for the most part. Uh, the rookies, obviously not, but but the guys uh, in the in, in that you mentioned, including Brissett, they all played in New England, so they, they've, they've run the system. And, and I think it depends too, Mo, where the guys, where they go, if they go high for a quarterback, which is a possibility – then, then I think that changes the the complexion of who it is. Then, yeah, might you do a Brissette? Might you do uh, a Jimmy G, knowing he might get injured and you got a young guy behind him and maybe a third quarterback like Stidham there too? Who knows? Uh, because then you make your rookie your third quarterback and just get him, get him uh, ready and seasoned before uh, he gets the opportunity. But that aside, um, I think that all of this together, you, they have so many routes to go. It's going to be hard. It's hard to guess where they're going to go. The, the the consensus so far, including with the odds makers offshore, of course, because there's crazy bets offshore, uh, is that, that the Raiders will pursue at some point Tom Brady for at least a discussion. So when we come back from the break, we're going to devote the whole segment 
uh, to that as well. I know some Raider fans are going to want to turn it off because they will not accept Tom Brady. I guess if they if he was holding up a Lombardi Trophy uh, at Allegiant Stadium next year when the Super Bowl is there in 24, um, I think they might accept him, but maybe I'm wrong. But when we get back, we're going to talk about Tom Brady, the possibility of him coming to the Raiders, and also we're going to talk about his numbers, right? Is he falling off? Is he washed like some people say he is? I don't think he is. We'll talk through that when we come back here. You're listening to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. We'll be right back. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Should Tom Brady become a Las Vegas Raider? Some of you are happy with that idea. Others are unhappy with that idea. Either way, we're going to talk about it here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast where we talk nothing but Las Vegas Raiders football. Scott Cobranson, along with Mo Moten, we are your hosts. We thank you for joining us. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hey, hey, make sure you subscribe and smash that notifications bell so you know when there's a new video up thank you guys all for the lively chat as always on the side of the screen okay mo tom brady uh we know from a couple years ago john gruden had the chance to sign tom brady in 2020 um he did not want to do it is the way the story goes in fact rob gronkowski just a few days ago on another podcast confirmed it and said that he was also going to go to the Raiders and come out of retirement, his first retirement. And uh, so he confirmed the story again. So the third time the story has been confirmed, uh, Mark Davis wanted it. Uh, John Gruden did not want it. So now we're hearing about the opportunity maybe for Tom Brady to come to the Raiders yet again. Derek Carr's gone, so there's the opportunity. Let's talk about where he is right now at almost 46 years old. This year, record of 8-9, and nine, of course, played um, in all 17 games. Completion percentage of just under 67%, almost 4,700 yards, 25 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Of course, that was uh, his worst year since 2019, <laughs> so a few years. When you're the GOAT, though, I think a bad year is better than a lot of years uh, for other quarterbacks. But when you look at him and you watch what happened in Tampa this year, he definitely struggled at times. Uh, and, and I have a reason I believe why that's true. And I'll get to that in a second. But from a football perspective, um, when you look at Tom Brady, yes, he's not 30 years old. Yes, it's not 2008. But Mo, how good of a quarterback is Tom Brady at this point in his career? And is he a guy you that you believe if surrounded with the offense the Raiders have with an upgraded offensive line and some good selections and signings on defense, can Tom Brady take the Raiders 
to the playoffs and perhaps beyond over the next couple of years. I believe he's still capable of taking a football team that has a good supporting cast around him to the playoffs. And I emphasize supporting cast simply because no, Tom Brady isn't the same Tom Brady in his mid, even late 30s when he was winning Super Bowls. He's not that guy anymore. He needs the support. He needs protection, an offensive line. And even though he has a quick release, he still needs, I would say, a higher-end offensive line. He needs a run game. He didn't have that in Tampa Bay. Yes, he had a defense. He had a top-10 scoring defense, but did not have a run game. The Buccaneers last in rush attempts, last in rushing yards per game. So the Buccaneers asked Tom Brady to carry that team to the playoffs, and he did. Yes, it was a bad decision, a bad division in the NFC South, but you got to understand Tom Brady has now led the league in completions and pass attempts back-to-back years. He's thrown <laughs> over 700 passes. You don't want your, your 46-year-old, 45-year-old quarterback throwing that many passes. You shouldn't be asking Tom Brady to win you football games that way. And that loss against the Dallas Cowboys, he threw the ball 66 times. And people, a lot of Raider fans are saying, well, look at Tom Brady tonight. Doesn't look good. Why would you want him to be your quarterback? And, and, I, and I would say, what quarterback do you know throws the football 66 times in a playoff game and wins it? I believe they had a stat up. Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball 66, 68 times. L. There was another quarterback, I believe Russell. Some uh, maybe it was Russell Wilson. Someone else was up there, but it was a it was a pretty good quarterback in his prime. Threw mm-hmm. the ball more than sixty times. Guess what? Lost the football game. You need balance. And as I said on a previous show, even in New England, those teams had good rushing offenses with Tom Brady. Yep. He needs it now more than ever at his age. I'm not. He's not washed. And if you watch that game closely, of course, he could still throw the ball downfield. You saw it in flashes. If he has the protection, he can still get the ball to your playmakers 20, 25 yards down the field. He still has the precision. He still has the accuracy. It's just that at his age now, he needs a more solid supporting cast than he needed 10 years ago. Yeah, Mo, it's great. I'm, 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 I'm interested in you bringing up the long ball there because he threw longer passes less this year than than any point in the last few years. Um, is Was that due to just down and distance and where he was versus um, – in previous, I, I think he might have thrown the ball. Well, I should say he completed less long passes. Doesn't mean he didn't throw them, especially without a lack of running game. I would imagine he would have had um, more third and longs than he's had in recent years because if you don't have a running game, you're just playing usually in longer yardage situations. Uh, but you look at that, and 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 it seemed to be a lot of the criticism actually of Tom Brady because of the system he's played in, especially in New England was that he was what Derek Carr used to get uh, criticized for, which is the dink and dunk thing, right? But that's that's the system. The system calls – Tom Brady went long plenty of times. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we saw Danny Amendola and these guys, all these guys that went through, um, even back to Hernandez, that went long uh, on on flares to get, to get long passes from Tom Brady for touchdowns. Um, with that, though, arm strength, all that sort of stuff, you think it's still there – on a team like the Raiders, with with let's say let's just assume they're going to upgrade that offensive line, because I think they would have to uh, if Tom Brady was going to sign on the dotted line. If they do that, you add in um, uh, giving Josh Jacobs a contract, which seems like it's going to happen. Uh, you have your running game, you have a better offensive line, you have a multitude of receivers. For now, you have Darren Waller uh, as as a great weapon. That seems to me, if I'm Tom Brady, okay, I'm good with the offense, right? I mean, he would have everything he had when he won with New England and also the first year he won with Tampa Bay, which is a full, well-rounded offense. So the first thing I want to get to is your point about 
Tom Brady throwing the long ball and the mm-hmm. offense that he was in. Let's remember that the Buccaneers lost Bruce Arians, right? So Byron Leftwich was solely running that offensive system. So he was in a different offense this year. No blue, no Bruce Arians influence. And I think that's what hurt the, the Buccaneers in terms of big plays down the field. Because if you know Bruce Arians philosophy, no risk it, no biscuit, he's he wants to get <laughs> vertical. He wants to throw the ball downfield. That wasn't the case this year. And I don't think that's a coincidence with him going to the front office. The other thing about Tom Brady, and yes, you, you hit on this point, and I, I just want to I just want to hammer this because a lot of people say, well, if Tom Brady couldn't get it done with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line, what makes you think he want to sign with the Raiders? And to those people, I say, you don't just sign Tom Brady and sit on your hands for the rest of the offseason and hope for <laughs> Tom Brady TB12 magic. Of course, if you sign Tom Brady, you're going to look to upgrade your offensive line. Have to. It's an obvious, it's an, yeah, it's a must. So you're probably, if you sign Tom Brady, you're probably signing one or two offensive linemen from free agency or trading for one and then mm-hmm. drafting high at guard or tackle so that you can protect Tom Brady and allow him to get the ball down the field. And as you said, you get Josh Jacobs on a new deal, so he has a run game, which he didn't have at Tampa Bay, and all of a sudden you're rolling. Everything else you invest on the defense. Yeah. Because, again, Tom Brady had a top-10 score defense in Tampa Bay. We're not we're not uh, downsizing that or anything, but your first thing is, okay, we have Tom Brady. Let's add two offensive linemen. Let's get Josh Jacobs back on a multi-year deal. And again, everything else you pour it into your defense so we can improve that defense from being a bottom tier unit to at least a top 12 unit. And and we talked about it, Mo. This team could have over 63, 64 million dollars in cap space. Right? So so mm-hmm. you talk about the and this is what I wrote a piece on Sports Not this week about the fact that I truly believe now, and you can call me whatever you want. I truly believe I didn't think this six weeks ago. This this team, if if Dave Ziegler does his job really well, that's the that's the caveat. This team can turn it around pretty quickly. I'm not saying they're gonna win a Super Bowl next year, but this team can be very competitive, be a playoff team, I think, in one season if they make the right moves between good draft. And between the right free agent signings, and you have the money to do that. That means you can go out and get a guy. It could be uh, if 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 it's the flavor of the month, if it's Orlando Brown Jr., whoever it is on the offensive line, somebody who's going to step in, one of the big free agents out there, or you make a trade, like you said, for future draft capital. Um, and I think I want to say this too about Tom Brady this year, and a little bit of the regression we saw. I think. The coaching, just as it was for Derek Carr, it was an issue for Derek Carr, too. It was an issue for Tom Brady on offense. Secondarily, the guy's personal life. I want to talk about that because we don't talk about that a lot. It got a lot of salacious headlines. But the way he started his offseason, he comes out of retirement, then he goes to camp, and then he goes away from camp for personal reasons, and then comes back, and suddenly he's getting divorced. Um, That's a big deal, especially for those of you who don't have kids yet. Um, a divorce is bad enough, but then you add a divorce where you have kids involved. It's a big deal. Okay. And so I don't care how great you are of an athlete or a CEO or whatever you do for a living, that's going to be hard. So he had a lot of things off the field that I think mentally uh, didn't help. And then of course he had the the big switch up and the, and the loss of talent there in Tampa Bay, especially on the coaching. So I, I put that in there as well. But the other point I want to talk to before we finish up this segment, Mo, on Tom Brady and the Raiders is you hear a lot of fans who say, well, I thought this was about getting younger at quarterback and getting a more mobile quarterback. Why would why would the Raiders do this if that's the direction they're going? And I would tell you from my point of view, and I'll get your reaction. 
My point of view is you can do both at the same time, right? Meaning that because of the salary cap, because of what they have and the flexibility they have and the capital on the draft they have, they can go out and make this a playoff team instantly, in my view, and have the best quarterback who's ever played lead that team for a couple years, get a young quarterback in the meantime who gets to learn. I know Tom Brady has, has been rumored not to be the guy who's going to tutor the young quarterback. Doesn't matter. If you just watch him and you watch him work and you're on the sideline, you're at practice with him, you're going to gain from that. So, Mo, to me, it's not a zero-sum game. I think that the Raiders can do both simultaneously. Do you agree with that? I agree. And so much of social media is it has to be one way or the other. <laughs> I, I don't understand so the, the I, I don't understand the the Raiders can only do one thing and everything else has to fall by the wayside. It goes back to my point about people saying about the offensive line. If you'd sign Tom Brady, you could still upgrade the offensive line. You could still upgrade other parts of the roster. You could still upgrade the defense. You, as you as we talked about, the Raiders have enough draft capital and cap space to do all those things. So the other point Going back to your point about Tom Brady's personal life, there was a report, I forgot who said it during the broadcast on Monday night, but mm -hmm. the players in the Buccaneers locker room said that Tom Brady started to seem more like himself just three weeks ago. So to your point, wasn't himself at the beginning of the season because he had a lot of personal things going on in his life. The other thing I want to bring up is Ian Rappaport said that Tom Brady, if he does continue his playing career, will likely sign a one-year deal. So that goes along with Albert Breer's point that the Raiders are looking for their Alex Smith type of quarterback before they hand it off to a younger guy. So, yes, the Raiders can do two things at the same time. You can get Tom Brady on a one-year deal and then draft your quarterback of the future so that that quarterback of the future doesn't have to play before he's ready. You have yep. Tom Brady there who can help you win games right now. At best, you get to the playoffs, you make some noise, and you can attract other free agents to Las Vegas because Tom Brady is there. And then you hand off to your quarterback of the future, whoever that may be. So again, the Raiders can do can circle and, and check off both objectives in one offseason. It doesn't have to be, oh, we're going with Tom Brady all in, or we're going with the future. The best teams, the GMs and head coaches work together to win now and build for the future. Right. And I think Tom Brady is in the position, just like he was when he went to Tampa. He's going to go somewhere where he, he thinks he can win. He's not going somewhere where he's going to finish eight and nine. He's just not going to do it, right? He had it this year, and that's why he's out of Tampa Bay. Uh, I, obviously, Bruce Arians is not there. So if the relationship with him and Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, if it's good enough and he buys into what they're going to do and gets the plan uh, and believes they can win, he'll go. I think some of the other teams that have been mentioned in the Tom Brady sweepstakes or whatever you want to call it now um, aren't, aren't viable either. I think Miami might be the only one. Uh, because of 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 obviously the warm weather, he's already there in Florida. Uh, it makes a lot of sense, and and they're they're ready to make a run. Uh, the Jets, no, right? He's not going to play in New York. I just don't see it happening. Uh, as much of a media superstar as he is, so for the Raiders to make this happen, um, I don't know that they can make it happen other than just give their best pitch because Tom Brady's going to do what's best for Tom Brady. Yeah, absolutely right about that. But I'll just throw something out. Another uh, a contingency plan if you will, right? Mm. So let's say the Raiders sign Tom Brady and then they either get Will Levis or CJ Stroud. So now you have a top quarterback prospect behind a quarterback who is still, to me, a top top league quarterback, not a top five, top eight, maybe around the top 10 now, but can still yeah. get you to the playoffs. I don't see the problem in that approach. Because like as I said, you can right. win now with him 
and let's say to, okay, let's say Tom Brady stinks. Let's say he is completely washed. He's a bum. <laughs> it's he one goes year. out there, he stinks it up. You're only on the books with him for one year. And by the way, you, as I just said, you would have your rookie quarterback who can take over automatically right there. Yeah. You, you want to move on? Okay, Tom Brady stinks. He's washed. We whiffed on that one. Okay, but we have our rookie quarterback who could take over and our future of the franchise, potential face of the future of the franchise. So, again, you want to put, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. And that was my point about exploring a trade for Mac Jones is that with Mac Jones on a rookie deal, you don't have to spend a lot for him. Right. You can spend that money on your defense. You can spend that money on your offensive line. And then you'll still have Mac Jones. You won't be paying him anything for a couple of years. And you can still draft the quarterback. So now you have two swings at getting it right at the quarterback position. You have Mac Jones, who's young, and then you have a rookie quarterback who's coming in on a rookie deal, obviously. Yeah, no doubt. And 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 that's why I like that approach, too. If they, if they in fact, do go after Tom Brady, I'm sure they're going to make contingency plans for everything. And we'll see where it goes because, and the other thing with Tom Brady and I'll close on this, uh, on this segment, Mo, which is the leadership factor here. You know, you put Tom Brady into a locker room with a, a bunch of young guys. Cause guess what? The Raiders are going to get a lot younger this year, even with free agents and maybe some trades, they're going to get a lot of the lot younger as the roster turns over, especially on defense. And you might say, well, what does defense have to do with Tom Brady? Tom Brady in the locker room is Tom Brady in the locker room. You know, especially if you're a 22 year old kid, out of college, or even if you're a 23 to 25 year old that's played in the NFL for a couple years, you grew up watching this guy win Super Bowls. To have him in the locker room is a whole different approach, and I think just brings a level of professionalism and focus on winning that uh, that you just can't find with other as some other players because he's he's been there, he's done it so many times. And when you got when you got all those rings, let me tell you, guys know that and they want to follow what you do follow your lead because they know it's a winning process. So all good stuff. All right. Well, there you go. There is your Tom Brady conversation. We will not talk about him most likely again until he signs somewhere or retires. We'll figure it out in the next few days. All right. Well, we're going to step aside for our final break. When we come back uh, here in the off season with a shortened week, we're going to get into our mailbag. We've got a couple mail questions we're going to answer and uh, we'll have some fun as well. So stick where you are. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast with Mo and Scott. Don't go anywhere. We're coming back right after these words. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, the home stretch here on this edition of our Odyssey original podcast where we talk nothing but Las Vegas Raiders football. My co-host is my friend Mo Moten. He is the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report, also the Raiders columnist up on sportsnot.com. Make sure you read all his stuff. Not only that, but share it with everyone you know uh, and let them know what a gifted writer he is. You can follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. He's also single, ladies. So, oh, stop. Uh, so be, be ready for that. We'll, we'll get into that this they, summer. We're going we're gonna to get, uh, get some fun uh, with getting Mo out there and uh, getting his sushi date and all that kind of stuff. If you listen to the show, you know what that means. I think there's some people out there who will be highly upset that you put that out there, Scott. By the way, some women I, out there. Oh, and and you can follow me on Twitter too, LV Gully. Uh, you could also check out some of the work I do on the Raiders on Sportsnet.com as well as addition in addition to the show. Well, I have to say this too. I don't know if you've noticed over the last two weeks. We well, I shouldn't say last two weeks. Last month, and it's interesting because. Usually, like when I talk to the network, our guys at Odyssey, because uh, we continue to be 
third overall in the podcast standings for NFL teams behind the Eagles and the Cowboys podcast. Both teams still alive in the playoffs, by the way. Um, and and it's and they they're always like. It's unbelievable you guys are keeping these numbers up when the Raiders didn't win this year. And I said, well, that's because you don't know Raider Nation. You don't know how hardcore they are. Even when they're miserable, they want to talk Raiders. And so it makes sense to us because we we know you guys. Um, but but also, yeah. go ahead. Shout, and just quick shout out to the people because we get emails all the time. People who say, you know, I listen to you guys while I'm on my elite work shift. Yeah. Our guy, our guy, Rock Raider 585, when he's doing his thing, he's like, you guys get me through the work day. So, yeah, we appreciate all of that because you're keeping our numbers high. And as as Scott said, whether the Raiders are 17 or going to be 17 and 0 or 0 17, you're interested in hearing about your Raiders. And we appreciate that. Absolutely. Never stop talking about the Raiders. That's why I love the fan base. Uh, But I was going to get so so we've grown a lot more even in the last month, which is, you know, I was always concerned, Okay, get towards the end of the season. People start to lose interest, but not in Raider Nation. It's actually increased. So we're getting a lot of new listeners. Those new listeners are finding us on social media. And I've seen like I'm not going to exaggerate and say it was 10. It was more maybe like three or four. But I've seen a bunch of them say, hey. Because we've been putting more video up in social media too, right? On TikTok and Instagram and Twitter, and um, a lot of people say, "Mo, I'm I, I'm surprised. The first time I heard your voice, I'm surprised by your voice. Why are they surprised by your voice? What are they expecting? Are they expecting Barry White? I mean, what are they expecting? Like to be really deep, to be higher? I and I keep asking every once in a while. A couple of them tweeted at you, and I'm like, "What did you expect them to sound like?" And they don't answer. So here's the story with my voice. If anyone, and I'm sure there are people out there who've talked to me in person, my voice sounds different on air than it does in person. Really? So, yeah, it does. <laughs> and you can ask anyone, you can ask anyone out there who's met me before in person and talked to me face to face. My voice doesn't sound the same in person. So what you're what you're hearing now is not <laughs> what you should expect when you meet me on these sushi you're dates. Fun. So let's just well, put yeah. that out there. <laughs> You sound like James uh, James Earl Jones, by the way, who just you, celebrated I, a birthday. It's weird. It's really I Scott, am it's Mo weird. Moten. <laughs> it's really weird. My voice doesn't carry as well once I'm on the airways. Interesting. And I don't I don't know why that is. Mm. But I, again, I'll just say that I sound different in person. If if I ever meet up with you, Raider Nation, if we're at, if I'm at a game, <laughs> if you're on the East Coast, if you're in New York City. You want to know the best place to eat, get good pizza, let me know, and Sushi I'll let you date. be the judge. Do I, do I sound the same on air as I do in person? I'm sure you yeah. agree that I, that I don't. No, and, and you know what? It does, um, it change, you, you, it changes. It could be, it could be your mic settings too, but I'm not there to adjust them for you. Uh, we could get you deeper. <laughs> but but I, I get the same things too sometimes because people will be like, Man, I hear you on the on the podcast and you have that radio voice. And I'm like, I don't really have a radio voice. I kind of just speak in my regular voice. But then when I'm at work all day or I'm talking to the family, my voice, it just sounds different. And even my kids will say, You sound is that you sound different. So so I, I think that's natural too when you hear somebody. Now there's some guys who have those booming voices and like they can be on the air or off there and it's just like nonstop, right? But I just thought it was funny because I'm like, what are you expecting now? It, it, I didn't. I wanted some feedback from them. Like, well, I expected it to be deeper. I expected it to be higher. I expected it to be this, or I expected it to be that. Like, I couldn't. I couldn't get an answer from anybody. So, it's a mystery we will never know until people tell us. So, yeah. anyway, but but it's cool though because 
they're they're tuning in more, they're watching more, they're listening more, and I'm just incredibly humbled by that, and I appreciate it all. It's interesting because you know what? I know we do this show two, three times a week together, but we've been working together for how long now? Five years. Yeah. So if you've been following me and you've heard me on other stations, you would yeah. know, kind of, you have an idea what my voice sounds like. Yeah. So I, I just find it interesting that people are now just discovering my voice and like, I didn't expect <laughs> you to sound like that. Like, I don't know what things, but yeah. to your point, to the point though, maybe it's my Twitter profile picture because I look kind of mean. Mean mug. The, the Not anymore. You just changed it for the first I time just, in like two years. I know. If I just changed it for the first time, like forever, <laughs> but in my first black and white photo, yeah, I look kind of mean. And I like that. <laughs> One of one of the YouTube one of the content creators out there, Corey, who's pretty funny and does voiceovers. Yes, for I love games, Corey. He he said I had he said I had the look of a of an old retired linebacker. So I guess people <laughs> expected me to sound like an old retired linebacker. Maybe they yeah. thought I would sound like you know Patrick Willis or Kirk Morrison. I don't know because some people yeah. said I looked like Kirk Morrison. I don't know what they expected, but it is I thought it I thought it looked like a bo- I mean I used to work in boxing. I thought it looked like a boxing poster. Like, you know, that black and white, yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. Moten versus uh, Mayweather <laughs> for the championship of the world. MGM Grand tonight. Anyway, so so I just thought that was funny. But, I, I mean, we have such good listeners uh, and viewers, and the interactions we have with them are, are great. You know, we we get people who come crazy at us, too, and that's cool. It doesn't matter. But but the the the, the folks who've been around for a long time, and you're right, we've worked together for a long time. When I was on Raider Nation Radio, you'd come on once a week, and then you were on once a week with Clay, and then later with Q uh, as well. So so it's funny, because a lot of people who listen to all the different shows uh, about Raider football don't realize that Q, that Q and I used to do a daily show together uh, on Raider Nation Radio. Um, and then you were on those shows all the time. And and you've been on Evan's show. Of course, Evan grew up from Just Pod Baby. Uh, and, and you had your own podcast back in the day. Now... You're a big shot. Your voice is so good that Bleach Report's having you do all these live videos. Next thing you know, he's going to be on like Amazon Prime Thursday nights next to he's going to be stroking the beard of uh, Fitzmagic. You know, I mean, he's going to be everywhere. So just just stay tight. And it's all because of the Golden Pipes. I, I will say that growing up, I never thought that I'd be speaking for a living. Not uh, that it was something that I shied away from, but. You know, I even got that when I was younger. People will say, well, I didn't expect you to sound like that. And I guess it was more of a, it was more of a, it, how, should I, how should I phrase this? It was kind of like, you look a certain way, but I didn't expect you to sound like the way <laughs> my voice didn't match my look. Because I had kind of uh, the urban look, kind of like how you see now. Yeah. You know, hat, wore a lot of urban wear. And then when sure. people heard me speak, they would say, well, you know. I didn't expect you to sound like that. Now, sometimes I took that as a slight because I expected sure. they probably expected me to sound, you know, street. But yes, I understand. You know, I had I, I had my I had my regular work voice, my professional voice on. So like I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, and and that's the thing too. People jump to conclusions based on a lot of different parameters. Whether yep. it's yeah, it's your attire, whether it's the neighborhood you're in, whether it's the color of your mm-hmm. skin. They're going to make a, a, just judgments based on that. And without even knowing, and then Mo starts popping off reason, and they're like, "Whoa, he sounds it, it, smart." 
He sounds different than I thought. Uh, you know what? It what I yeah. I that's why I asked those questions, not because I was trying to get argumentative with anybody. I was just curious to like, what did you make? Because I remember. So one of my favorite, and I'm I'm devolving here into a baseball story. Sorry, guys. But one of my favorite baseball players of all time is one of the guys that you when you hear his voice, you're like, oh my god, I never would have thought this voice was with him. And so that's what I was wondering if those case because that was Tony Gwynn. Like you hear Tony Gwynn talk. And it was like, you see Tony Gwynn on the ball field. He's kind of a big dude, this and that. And then he talks and he's got this very kind of u- unique, distinctive voice that doesn't sound like anybody else's voice. Forget about what you thought it was going to sound like. It just sounds completely different from anything. And so so I get that, you know, and, and that's how people are. I mean, they look at you and they size you up with the eyes and then they hear it and it's like, whoa, it's different. I mean, look at Mike Tyson. Did you expect Mike Tyson to sound like how he sounds? Never. <laughs> <laughs> so. I never did. Yeah, never, never, <laughs> never did. And 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 with, with that voice, you can see why he beat the crap out of people all the time. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we're going to get back to football now. We have some questions. So as part of this, we're going to bring in our mailbag questions. You can also mail us questions at mail at silverandblacktoday.com mail at silverandblacktoday.com. We love the longer emails, but we're only going to read so much. So try to keep it pithy, get to your question. Or if you have a great comment or a point you want to make, you can do that as well. Also, if you were surprised by what Mo sounds like the first time you heard him, (laughs) tell us why. Okay. This is from our good buddy, uh, uh, Jay in St. Louis, Jay Ford. He says, Hey, Mo and Scott, just listen to the Kelsey brothers podcast. And they had Gronk on. And I just talked about this actually. And he confirmed that he was going to go to Las Vegas in 2020. He also implied that he may not be done. My question, if Brady goes to Las Vegas, do you think, think Gronk will come with him? And would you then keep Waller and have a Hernandez Gronk 2.0, which is something Brady likes the two tight end sets? Good question from Jay in St. Louis. Mo, uh, who knows if Brady comes, if he does come, who knows if Gronk comes? It sounds like they're kind of hinting at it again, this this Frankenstein couple. Uh, they're like, hey, we'll come in and join it. It reminds me of the LeBron James stuff when he was moving around teams. Um, if, 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 if Brady were to go to the Raiders and Gronk says, yeah, I want to play again, um, can you see those guys coexisting with Darren Waller? Absolutely can. I mean, if you look at this year, Foster Moreau had a lot of snaps. Even when yep. after Darren Waller came back, there were a lot of uh, two tight end sets out there. So I could see Gronk coming along. I mean, how could you say no? Even at his age and his last playing year, Gronk was a pretty good pass blocking tight end. He could still catch the ball, of course, still a great red zone threat. And as we know, the Raiders have struggled in the red zone. Why would you want not that? Why would you not want that big target on the field? Mm-hmm. opposite or along with Darren Wallace. So I think it could work if Gronk wants to come out of retirement and they're a package deal. I say, why not? Cause he's not going to cost you a lie at his age. Yeah, no question. Uh, and I think too, I think with that, again, it's about winning. If Tom Brady's comfortable with Gronk now, and then I can only imagine the stories and the paparazzi following Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady, both yeah, bachelors yeah. living in Las Vegas. Holy moly. I mean, they might make a reality show out of it because that's how crazy it would be, right, uh, to have those two guys in Vegas. Uh, but but that that whole point about the two tight end sets, too, and, and you talked about uh, Foster Moreau playing a lot more. 
uh, Rob Gronkowski's still in great shape. Uh, he, when he came back to the Buccaneers that first time, um, he was a little underweight, quickly got up to speed fast, and didn't seem to lose a step at all. Uh, and so if you were to do that, that's an opportunity, I think, again, to win now but still get those younger players in the in the background and do that. Does, does Rob Gronkowski instantly take this team, not having seen him play now since he's been retired again and doing commercials everywhere, um, does that just add just a, a complete – I mean, does it become a super team on offense? I wouldn't say a super team, but I think it would put him in the top – should put him in the top five, assuming – you know, everyone's healthy and Josh Jacobs is back. I, I think it would put him in the top five simply because no Gronk is not going to catch 75 balls and, and have over a thousand yards receiving. But as I just mentioned, he'll give you that inline tight end who can block and seal for the outside runs. And he could still be a pretty good red zone target. Once you can decide the 20 Tom Brady throws it up to Gronk more times than not, you have a touchdown. So yeah, I, I think it could work and they could be a top five offense with that crew together. There you go. All right. Thanks, Jay, again in St. Louis, a Raider fan in St. Louis. There you go. You never know. All right. We're going to go on to our next email. This is from Tom, a.k.a. T3. That's uh, Tom Jones. He says, hey, uh, Scott Moe, during free agency, the Raiders need to bring in a quality safety linebacker and interior defensive lineman. Now, I think they can do some of that in the draft, too. But nonetheless, if they are available and can be worked on, how do you feel about Jesse Bates III, Tremaine Edwards, and Deron Payne? Mo, those three names, what do you think? I actually think of those three names, I think Jesse Bates is probably the most likely that will hit the free agent market. Simply because I say this every year, and not to put not to rain on your parade, <laughs> but Raiders fans will circle and, and fans across, not just Raider fans, but fans across all NFL fan bases will circle. We need to get this player, this player, that player. And when it comes down to it, two, you know, two days before free agency, you find out, well, this player's been franchise tagged, this player signed a new deal. So I think there's already talks that the Washington Commanders want to keep Deron Payne and yeah. Jonathan Allen together. That's their dynamic duo on the defensive line, along with Montez Sweat and Chase Young. They want to keep their D-line together, and it would make sense for them to franchise tag him. Tremaine Edmonds is the centerpiece of that Bills defense. I could see them coming to agreement with a new deal with him. Yeah, Jesse Bates has been wanting a new deal for years now, and the Bengals basically drafted his replacement yeah. this past year, or yes, last year. So... I could see them letting Jesse Bates hit the market. I would love for the Raiders to get a guy like Jesse Bates because, and I said this on a previous show, the Raiders were last in, I believe, takeaways. We yes. had 13 takeaways. Fewest interceptions. He can he can take the ball away and get that offense more possession. So if Jesse Bates, assuming that he hits the market, I think he will, I think the Raiders should go after him. All right. Tom's got a couple other questions in here. And I agree, Jesse Bates, the Bengals, uh, and, and their cheapness are coming up. And they're also thinking they have <laughs> – they're going to have to give a new contract to Joe Burrow, to Jamar yep. Chase, some other guys as well. Uh, and they still need to bolster their offensive line. So there you go. He also asked, so a couple of questions. He asked about uh, that Isaiah win again with the Patriots, if he'd be available for a trade. It didn't happen last year. Um, can he stay healthy? He also asked about Ben Powers of the Ravens. Uh, and I just wanted to go on the record and tell us that he does not believe that even with an improved uh, line, that Tom Brady is the answer. Father Time has more power. I believe 15 to $20 million range the Raiders could shell out. That's if Brady were to decide, uh, not worth it. So there you go. So what do you think of Powers 
and Isaiah. Isaiah Wynn has been rumored to be traded for the last two seasons, pretty much. Um, Mo, what about those guys? Trades are always hard to figure because you just, I mean, offensive linemen in particularly, you just don't see them traded that often. Uh, it happens, but not very often because when you find a good rotate or a good uh, offensive line and you have a unit like that, you tend not to want to break it up. Absolutely. So offensive linemen, uh, quality tackles usually don't hit the market. I know he mentioned Isaiah Wynn, injury-prone tackle, but if you get him along with a rookie, you know, that's a good combination to have just in case he does get hurt. I mentioned Kelvin Beecham recently, Mm -hmm. pretty solid right tackle, I believe. So there are some options out there that they can upgrade with. I think if they want a, a massive upgrade that they draft early at the position, maybe a Paris, maybe a Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State, or they pull off of a pull off a trade because again, high end tackles aren't just falling off of trees and landing on the market. But I will say <laughs> he did mention he did mention Ben Powers, and I think ben you Powers. can get a quality you can get a quality guard because sometimes those guys do hit the market. I remember Joe Tooney not too long ago. Signed by the Chiefs, upgrade help them upgrade their offensive line. And speaking of the Chiefs, I know this is a Raider podcast, but there are people out there that say, well, the Raiders can't upgrade their offensive line in one offseason. Why the heck not? The Chiefs did it. Sure, they can. Do you remember what happened to Patrick Mahomes when the Tempe Buccaneers, who, by the way, Tom Brady was on that Buccaneers team, that rattled Patrick Mahomes? What did the Chiefs do the following year? They completely went all in on their offensive line. Traded for Orlando Browns, signed Joe Tooney. Creed yep. Humphrey, their center, they drafted in the second round. If you have a good scouting department and a good and basically a good personnel department that knows how to identify talent, mm-hmm. you can change an offensive line. You can change a defense within an offseason. It's the fact that a lot of Ray fans don't have faith in this organization because of what's happened with previous franchises and the Correct. holes that Dave Ziegler didn't fill this past offseason. So I get the skepticism because we talked about some of the holes that the Raiders still have now that yeah. they had last year. So I get the skepticism, but you can, if you put some, if you invest draft capital and cap space, you can flip a a mediocre defense offensive line to a good one. Yeah. And I I think the whole, we've been, you know, it's been 20 years and we've sucked. I I get that. But again, this is a new regime and they've had one season. I don't think you have enough data. Yes, it was disappointing. And yes, some moves didn't work out as anticipated Chandler Jones um, and others. But, but I just think I get it. Raider Nation's just tired of losing. So I, I get the mm-hmm. fatigue. I get the fatigue there. You mentioned, and I mentioned too before, Orlando Brown Jr. Um, is he going to stay with the Chiefs? you think they're going to let him go? or And is that a guy, I know he plays on the other side, but you could move him to right side, right? And, and put him at right tackle if he is a free agent and they can go get him? Here's a lowdown with Orlando Brown, why I don't mention him as a Raiders target. It's because... And I think the Chiefs are going to bring him back because mm-hmm. why would you put Patrick Mahomes in harm's way, right? <laughs> unless you're going to, unless you're going to draft a, a tackle in the first round. But let's right. say he does hit the market. I think a team that's looking for a left tackle is a better fit for him because mm-hmm. part of the reason he left Baltimore, went out of Baltimore, is because he wanted to play left tackle like his dad who yes. played in the league. So he went to a team that was going to use him at the left tackle spot. So if the Raiders are going to sign Lando Brown, He's gonna. He would want to play that tackle, which means you have to move Colton Miller to the right side. Yeah, so there will be some shuffling go, going on if they were to go that route. Yeah. But I actually think the Chiefs either keep him. I, I'm. I'm pretty. I'm not pretty sure, but I think the Chiefs keep him because again, you you want to keep Patrick Mahomes upright and healthy. But again, if they let him go and go draft a tackle in the first round, the Raiders are interested in him. Just know that he's gonna to want to play that left, ta- left tackle, which means Colton Miller is gonna to have to move to the right side. 
Does Mike McGlinchey hit the market or is San Francisco going to tag him? I think he hits the market simply because he had a down year last year. I believe he's he's probably looked at as a mediocre right tackle. I believe he's underachieved based on I know he's a Notre Dame guy, so he's on your oh, radar. No, no. But no, that yeah, of course. But uh but um he he kind of dipped off. He had a he had a bad 2021 season. And I think there's a possibility that the 49ers let him hit the market and and he may see what he can get. Now mm-hmm. if a team is willing to overpay for him, he's probably gone. But if he finds out that his market isn't as strong, then I could see him back in San Francisco. There you go. So there's a lot of names, and I think a lot of the guys, because I think fans go and they look up on the websites who's going to be a free agent, and they don't understand the dynamics of some of the teams. Uh, and you talked about Orlando Brown, for which is a great example of not wanting to switch over. That's why I asked the questions about would he switch to right. He doesn't want to. Um, and so – yeah, and so so you look at a lot of these free agents, and they might seem like good fits for the Raiders in some ways, but in other ways they're not. And so, and, and then their teams, a lot of them are are willing to sign them again. Offensive linemen difficult. That's why drafting them is so important. Uh, the Alex Leatherwood miss and other misses. That's why it hurts so bad because when you get the opportunity to draft a tackle in the first round, man, you need them to deliver because if they do, then that's the kind of guy you could be there for ten years. So. I- and I just want to say to that email, because I know a lot of people are going to talk about De'Ron Payne, and he would be absolutely fantastic for the Raiders. If, yes. if there's one free agent that I would want on the defensive side of the ball, it would be De'Ron <laughs> Payne. Yeah. But I'm telling you right now, don't get your hopes up, because I really honestly believe, I'm probably 75% sure on this, they're going to franchise tag him. And if they don't yeah. franchise tag him, it's because they've worked out a long-term deal with him, because I don't see them letting his, him go. He's just coming off his best season. A more realistic option at the defensive tackle position for the Raiders, Javon Hargrave, who's going to be, I believe, he's going to be mm-hmm. 30, I believe. Philly may yep. want to go young with that defensive line. They did draft Jordan Davis this past season. So they may go young, and he may hit the market. Even though he's coming off of a monster year, I could see them saying, look, let's pay Jalen Hurts, let's pay some other guys, and let a 30-year-old defensive tackle hit the market. Yeah, and 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 Hargrave, actually, even at his age, um, continues to play at such a high level. I mean, he's defying yeah. age in some ways. And so yeah. you got to hope that uh, there's not a downside next year if he's available. He'd be a great pickup for the Raiders. Uh, great questions uh, again, as always. Mo, I want to close the show today with um, just a look at the playoffs. Um, we talked about it a little bit uh, on Tuesday uh, over, over Sunday night's game and then Monday night's game. But when you look at this and you look at how the playoffs are going now, we see the Bengals are going up to play the Bills. I think the Bills win that game. I'm pretty sure the Bengals are just so banged up and um, not playing their best football. The Bills aren't either on offense, but I just think the home game will matter there. And then the Chiefs-Jaguars, I think the, the, the clock strikes midnight and the, the carriage turns to a pumpkin for, for Trevor Lawrence. Um, and you look at the other side on the NFC, but but what, do you, what are you learning from what you're covering in the playoffs about construction of teams that the Raiders and Raider fans can learn about being in that top echelon uh, in either conference. I write this a lot in my columns, right? I say this all the time. The mark of a playoff team is a team that can win in multiple ways. It's not a team that's solely dependent on its quarterback. Like the Buccaneers were dependent on Tom Brady this year. It's not a team that's solely dependent on defense, even though people like to say defense wins championships, defense wins championships. Yes. It makes it easier for your quarterback, but you got to be able to score points in this league. Mm-hmm. And the other component, and I think it's not talked about enough, is coaching. You have to have the right coach. And that's where my concern lies with the Reds, because I've said this multiple times. I don't know if Josh McDaniels 
is a quality head coach, quality NFL head coach. He may just be a coordinator. And if he is, it doesn't matter who you bring in there. The Raiders are not going to live up or play up to their full potential if he is not an NFL caliber starting NFL caliber head coach. Right. So you gotta you gotta have the coach that marries with the players, that marries with the system. And you see that with these teams. You see the way Trevor Lawrence popped with when Doug Peterson walked in the door and how he looked under Urban Meyer in that disaster. You see <laughs> Daniel Jones, how he's popped under Brian Dable, who I've wanted the Raiders to interview, and they didn't. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But if you see the 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 maturation process, the 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 progression of those quarterbacks, those young quarterbacks, once those head coaches came in. You understand how important coaching is as far as bringing along a quarterback because regardless of what the Raiders do at the quarterback position, whether they get Tom Brady or not, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jacoby Brissett, they're going to get a young quarterback. And that young quarterback is going to have to be in the correct system that helps accentuate his strengths. Now, can can that be with Josh McDaniels in place? Mm -hmm. We'll see. It's Time will tell. But as I said, with the Raiders, even if they get the quarterback position right, they want to be a perennial playoff contender. They have to be able to beat teams in multiple ways. Their defense has to get better. And I don't think Derek Carr supporters are going to hammer this and they're going to be clapping for this statement. But the Raiders, (laughs) finally, they have to get their defense right. Yes, they do. 20th 20th scoring or worse in the past how long? Your defense, at least get the defense to top 12. That's all I ask. If the Raiders can get their defense to top 12, and they have even a decent offense, they give themselves a chance. But the defense stinks as it has for the past you know, two decades for the most mm-hmm. part. They're only going to go but so far. So you need the quarterback. Your head coach needs to be a head coach that can not only call plays, but get it, but leader of, a leader of men. And your defense has to get much, much better. Absolutely. Well said. And we will dive into uh, a real uh, deep dive on Josh McDaniels and and what we saw in 2022. And also we'll compare it to a little bit. We'll go back in the time machine to Denver to his first stint and compare a little bit of that. We got to do that as a postseason uh, a breakdown. We have to, right? We have to go through it and talk about, because we've been talking about how we're uncertain and there's no question. He is probably the coach on the hottest seat going into the season. I really believe that maybe, maybe that's tempered, a little bit because he's buddies with Ziegler, but not very much. So I, I would argue that he is the, the, going to go in game one, hot seat. And and if he starts off 0-3 or 1-3, it's going to get a lot hotter and they might they might push the eject button. Just, and it depends as well. If they if they get, depending what they do at quarterback, um, you're going to need that coach to develop that quarterback and you can't. You can't get it wrong. So if he's not the right right guy, you have to, to hit the, the eject button quickly. I mean, there's no question. And, and to the point, Scott, do you think if Brock Purdy is playing with the New England Patriots and, and Matt Patricia calling the plays, do you think Brock Purdy looks <laughs> the way he does right now? No. No, no. So it it you have to have the right guys. You got to have the right coaches in place yep. to get those guys to play at a high level. Yes. Uh, also, a reminder, tomorrow we'll have a special show. It's going to be audio-only uh, interview with Lee Steinberg about the Raiders quarterback situation, about the market for Derek Carr. Can the Raiders get anything in return for him? I don't think so, but we'll ask a guy who deals. He's an agent, after all, so he knows that as well. Uh, we'll also be back next week with our full slate of podcasts. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Also, a shout-out to our listeners on 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. We appreciate you guys listening to us on a Sunday morning, as we always do on the show, as well as 11.40 The Bet. Mo, we're out of here, man. We will talk to you next time. As always, it's a pleasure. 
All right. For Mo Moten, I am Scott Colbranson. This has been Silver and Black today. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you up on YouTube as well. Take care, everybody. For our producer, David Stepanian and Mo, I am Scott Colbranson. Talk to you later, guys.